Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Many of you have noticed that there was a bit of a dust-up on GOL this week. Uh, If you don't know what GOL is, Grace Online, which is our church's church-wide Google group. Uh, It all started with an article that was written by Wayne Grudem. Grudem is a trusted authority in conservative Christian circles uh, and beyond. He wrote a systematic theology book that has been a majorly influential book in the last many years. Uh, He also co-wrote a book on biblical manhood and womanhood. I think it's called The Big Blue Book, but uh, co-wrote it with John Piper. And that book has been massively influential as well. He also wrote a big old book on politics and has taught Christian ethics at the undergrad, master's, and probably doctoral level for years. So, it is with great credibility that he wrote an article endorsing Donald Trump. Uh, Many of you have read it. Uh, The crux of his argument was that Donald Trump is not the lesser of two evils, but a good moral choice for Christians. Well, that got people stirring or stewing or shouting, uh, whether with hate or cheer. Lots and lots of responses in conservative Christian circles, both yay and no way. Uh, One of the no ways was written by a young woman named Amy that I don't know anything about, but that is the article that was shared on GOL, thus the dust-up. Amy was in disagreement with Grudem. I don't know how old she was, but I gather a millennial. She was writing on behalf of millennials, so um, a young woman, maybe in her 20s, maybe early 30s. Um, She took the opportunity in her disagreement to say that she believes that thinking along the lines of what Grudem expressed in his article uh, was losing the millennial generation. Just like, that is so foreign to so many in my generation, the things that you're saying. Um, And there were quite a few church members here who shared their perspective on young Amy and mostly negative, especially from the older generation. Um, Some even took the opportunity to seemingly denounce all things millennial in the process. Uh, You wouldn't be wrong after reading some of the posts to think that some of our church members think millennials are the cancer of the world. Well, I happen to be a millennial. Uh, Millennials were born in the early 80s through the early 2000s. Some of you are a bit older than that, but I think even if you're technically older than the millennial generation, if you're somewhere around 40 or younger, I think most of you identify with that younger generation. So when you read things like what you read on GOL this week, and it, it can be rather offensive. And uh, maybe even more than being offensive, it can lead you to write off the older generation. They just don't get it. So I want to wade into that today. Uh, First, just FYI, I plan to weigh in on GOL in the coming week to speak as a millennial for uh, a younger generation that I happen to be quite proud to be a part of. Uh, In this group, I am very encouraged 
by many of the things that I see. And I think that uh, not only for younger people, but for the body of Christ. There's much that's happening here that is of blessing and benefit uh, to the body of Christ. And not only in our church, just in um, the Christian church at large. I think that there are many great things happening in you know, the millennial generation and, and kind of the years surrounding that as well. Now, don't get me wrong. When you consider just millennials as a generation in general, Christian or non-Christian, there are lots of problems, right? Um, there are even problems in the younger generation in our church, but I, it's not all bad. And so uh, I don't expect that my GOL post will be very important, but I do want to at least weigh in. In doing so, I have a couple things in mind. One, I want to be an advocate for a younger generation in our church, uh, and hopefully I can also model to us how to engage these issues with an older generation. Um, So I think one of the real temptations, as I just said, is that we would write off an older generation of believers in the body of Christ. When there's thinking that is so foreign the way maybe I'm thinking about things and abrasive at times and things like that, I think the temptation is to write them off. And so we can't do that. And Ephesians 4 can help us. Uh, We have referred to this passage a number of times through the last few months, but I felt in response to the uh, dust up, we could look at it more closely again today. So Uh, Remember that the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about what God has done for us in and through Jesus Christ. Um, Salvation is a gift of God's 200-proof grace. Chapters 1-3 through are about God's grace being worked into God's people. And chapters 4-6 through are about God's grace being worked out by God's people. So the first... Three chapters are about new life in Christ. The next three chapters, four through six, are about living out that new life in Christ. So when we start reading here in just a second, we're reading the first bit of instruction in terms of living out the new life in Christ, in terms of our responsibilities in living out the Christian life. And it's important to note that the first thing that Paul talks about is working to keep unity in the body of Christ. Follow as I read Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 6. And remember that this is the Word of God. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, uh, whenever I think about this passage, I think about something Will Savell told us when we were originally studying it a number of months ago, and he said that the number one reason for missionary teams to break up on the mission field is because they just can't get along. It's not sexual immorality. It's not leaving the faith. It's not suffering or persecution, though all of those things probably contribute in certain areas. But the big reason is because they can't get along 
and they abandoned the fight for unity. So we have been called into the Christ life by God's amazing grace. And in verse 1, we're told that we have a responsibility to live in a manner that is worthy of that call. Uh, That doesn't mean we were worthy to be called. We weren't, right? But having been called, we're now called to live a life worthy of the calling. Well, how do we do that? I think the rest of Ephesians is about living a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called in our personal lives, in the church, in our marriages, in our families, in the workplace, in the world. Uh, But the first thing that Paul addresses and, and that we are concerned about today is relationships in the church. How do we live worthy of the calling in Christ, uh, in the body of Christ? It says, with all humility and gentleness. So, um, to imitate Jesus by putting ourselves last, right? To putting others before ourselves. Humility. We handle the relationships with great care. Gentleness. With patience. So, we're committed to uh, suffering long with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Bearing with one another in love, which suggests that there are going to be things to bear with, right? There are going to be things that, um, there are going to be areas where there's tension, areas where we totally miss each other, where, where we don't get each other at all, and where we're tempted, frankly, just to write one another off. But, just the opposite of writing one another off, the call is to put others before ourselves, to be patient with them, to bear with them in love, and to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, Verses 4-6 through describe the unity that we have by God's grace. We are all a part of the one body in Christ. We're joined together by the one Holy Spirit. We are all children of the one Father. We serve the one Lord Jesus. Uh, We have this unity. It's already there. God has gifted it to us by His grace, but we must be eager to maintain it. We must fight to keep it. So, there's probably not much that Satan loves more than for there to be division and fracture in the body of Christ. Uh, the, the backroom whispering, the camps forming, the backbiting, the off-writing, and so on. Uh, another passage that I think is relevant to this is in 1 Corinthians 3. So you can turn there, just to the left a little bit. And keep in mind... Um, you know, if I'm talking to a, a husband and wife who are a bit at odds with one another, uh, if I'm talking to the husband, I'm talking to the husband about the husband. If I'm talking to the wife, I'm talking to the wife about the wife, right? So I'm not saying that I give my hooray to everything that was written. In fact, I'm troubled by it too. I, I think there was some things that, as I said, wrote off an entire generation of people in the church. That's the way it felt. That's the way it seemed. And yet... We can only take responsibility for us and how has God called us to move forward. Um, and so that's what I'm after today. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1-9. through 9. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. 
I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So why were they not ready for solid food? Uh, Why did he treat them like infants in the faith? Because there were divisions among them. I'm in this camp, and, and I'm in this camp. Now, I'm not saying that we're infants. Uh, I think it serves as a warning. Just like we, we can't go that route. We camps st- can't start to form. Uh, but the temptation is for camps to form. You know, isn't this what the music or worship wars or whatever? I don't you know, that's what it was about. Is like, and then we kind of figured out, and we'll just have an older generation service and a younger generation service. Well, maybe that's best. I don't think so. I mean, I think our call before God is to figure out how to fight for unity in the body of Christ across whatever potential divisions are there, whether that's generational lines or racial lines or, or whatever's there. Um, so. Again, the temptation for the camps to form, for the whispers to start, the older generation's clueless, we're done with them. Um, We know that we can't go that way and that we must be eager to maintain unity that we have in Christ. The older Christians are image bearers just like us. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We're members of the same body. You know, I wouldn't write off my hand if it wasn't doing right and just say, for the rest of my life, you're done. Um, I'd be pretty limited there, and so we can't do that now either. Um, I think that our passage assumes there will be tensions. I think that there was tension this week. Uh, It assumes that we will miss each other, and it assumes that we will have strong disagreements. The question is, how do we move forward from those hard places? This applies to any relationships, right? Um, To walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Again, it's similar to the race issues. Um, There have been many of those lately, in our own city even, and unity in the body of Christ trumps the camps. So, most of you know Myron Thomas. He's the pastor of Innovation Church in Fraser. A black man in a uh, predominantly black church. I love Myron. Um, I got him to speak at our men's conference last year because I love him so much. And uh, not too long ago, I was listening to a sermon that Myron preached involving race issues. Uh, He comes from a different perspective than I do. I'm not a black man. I didn't grow up in the hood. He is, and he did. Uh, Much of that perspective is very valuable. It really helps to fill out my perspective, right? We, we're all very limited. We all come from our own little uh, space. But uh, some of what I heard him say, I'm not tracking with. I mean, I don't think it's helpful. I disagreed with it. But I have a higher priority with Myron uh, than being right. You know, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit that we have in Christ. And part of that means leaning into when there's difference or when there's tension or when there's Perspectives where we're just missing each other, frankly, and and to because we have a relationship and um, a relationship that's been established by God, whether we know each other that well or not. So I think my responsibility there, if there's a, and now it hasn't irked me 
seriously, I think it's just like, I get it, uh, we're coming from different angles. But if it did, I think the responsibility is to lean into that and to work for unity. As I said a minute ago, um, this theme has come up a number of times in the last many months in our class. Uh, Of course, as we studied this passage in Ephesians 4, Many months ago, uh, it came up again as we talked about baptism and communion, and we talked about, you know, come to a conviction, let every man be convinced in his own mind, and keep unity in the body of Christ a priority, which I think we do at this church in regard to baptism and communion. Uh, it came up again when we talk about education, right? People are passionate about that. We all have different perspectives. We come to a conviction, let every man be convinced in his own mind, and yet... Keep unity in the body of Christ a priority. There are going to be people that land different ways on these issues, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's okay. It's come back up as we talk about race, as we talk about politics, um, which has exposed some of the generational differences and tensions, frankly, in our church. So I think it's safe to say, if you look at all that, as this theme has come up, this is a message that God really wants our group to get. Um, and we can lead in this direction by serving, right? We can lead in this direction by owning this and leaning into this where there's difficulty and, and tension. It's easy to write people off. It's hard to eagerly seek to maintain unity in the body of Christ. So uh, in an attempt to walk in this way, I recently went to lunch with Randy Beck to talk politics. Uh, if you're on GOL... You've read a post by Randy Beck. And uh, chances are you've been rubbed the wrong way by at least one of those posts. But all I know is that if unity is our priority, we have to lean into those relationships, um, even with people that we may disagree with at times, even with people we don't understand how they got there, even with people that may rub, rub us the wrong way at times. And let me tell you something. When I left that lunch, I left very encouraged. Um, not because Randy and I, you know, ironed it out and we now agree on everything. Um, but because we're brothers in Christ. And that was very obvious to me. When you, when you sit across from someone, you see his heart, you listen to how God has worked in his life and in his wife's life and in his children's lives, and, and you hear about how he got to this perspective. Um, just kind of the time that he grew up in, you know, and it was the years of the religious right, and he then served in the military, and all of this kind of during a period of major growth in Christ. So it kind of helped him to arrive at particular perspective and convictions, and and he is a, uh, you sit across from him, you realize this is a humble, godly man. Um, now, he speaks with conviction, and uh, he speaks directly. And, and, uh, but I left there thinking about the fact that we're brothers in Christ, we're washed with the same blood, we're filled with the same Spirit, we're children of the same Father. And I can tell you this, that having that personal connection... Now, I've known Randy, uh, but that was probably the most in-depth that we have discussed these things. And uh, it makes it a whole lot easier for me to give him the benefit of the doubt when he posts something, right? Because we have a relationship and, and we know that we're both in this thing together. And we know that we both have the same ultimate goals. Um, anyway, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have dialogue. We should. Um, but it's just about leaning in. So just, 
I say that all to say, not that I'm the model, but please don't give in to the temptation to write off an older generation. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called in Christ. Walk with humility, putting others before ourselves with gentleness, handling these relationships with great care, with patience, suffering long with people, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let's pray and we'll have some time for discussion. Father, we are thankful for the grace that You have poured out on us in Your Son, Jesus Christ. We know that You have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Him. Lord, we know that You have done that uh, across racial lines, the most tense of which was the Jew and Gentile, and that You've broken down the barriers uh, so that You have created one new man in Christ, You've broken down the walls of hostility between us and you. Uh, We are no longer your enemies, but your friends, even your children. And Lord, uh, you've broken down the walls of hostility between uh, the races, between the generations, uh, wherever they may lie. Uh, You have established a lasting unity uh, in the body of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We know that you're building us together as your temple in the Spirit. And so I pray that you would give us great grace, um, even more grace, and your strength and your wisdom in order to walk in a manner worthy of this great calling. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be humble and to put others before ourselves and uh, to be gentle and to be patient and to bear with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I I know that the enemy of our souls would love nothing more than to cause division across uh, generational lines, across racial lines, and so I pray that that would not happen, um, that you would give us a resolve to, to fight for these things, to maintain uh, our unity in Christ. Lord, uh, help there to be a growing and maturing of our uh, ability to discuss these things across generational lines from both ways. Uh, help us to value one another as image bearers, as brothers and sisters, and help us to show the world a different way. Um, that we would truly love one another and by this that they would know that we are your disciples. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is living and active. It is powerful. It is uh, a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. Um, And we pray that you would uh, establish us in your paths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Anybody have any thoughts for questions. Jessica. Um, I've got two different things. Okay. One is, do you feel like the people that have spoken on GOL are an accurate representation of their their age group and their generation? Is that is that the feeling of that age group overall, or do you think these are a few kind of extreme? I mean, I felt like there was on the verge of name calling yeah. in there. Um, do you feel like that's an accurate representation of that group, or is this just a few isolated people? Um, yes and no. I I think that the the people that tend to speak up on GOL are those that uh, have some serious convictions in this regard. Um, but I would say that I think that in the main, um, if you're over a certain age, you tend to be in a similar mindset 
um, I think that you do see generational patterns of thinking in terms of politics and things like that. So, in the same way, uh, I think a lot of millennials can recognize themselves in Amy's post, although wouldn't agree with everything, but would say, yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think there is sort of a movement of people away from maybe my parents' generation's general mindset. So I do think there's a general mindset. Um, and I say that, you know, having done the panel series in the summer and talk about politics. And so I've had lots of discussion with lots of people older than me. And um, it's not the case everywhere, but, you know, most conservative Christians have been card-carrying Republicans regardless. Okay, so then second question. Um, do you think there is a way to explain to all at our church how big of an impact GOL is, even though, and the reason why I say that is I think people imagine that they're talking to their Sunday school class of these 30 people that respond mm-hmm. and their friends respond to them. I don't think they realize that it goes out to a thousand people mm-hmm. and what you say on there, whether it's selling your cabinet mm-hmm. or whatever it is, it's like standing up at the microphone at the sanctuary both hours mm-hmm. and announcing your feelings on a subject. And I don't think people understand the impact because it's one email address. Yeah. People, I don't, honestly, I don't think even that generation understands the reply all feature. Like, oh, so yeah. things that affect... <laughs> well, and I'll even say... Uh, I'm serious. I, mean, I do not see that grace online yeah. is in the... And generally, if you meant to reply one, you're... I mean, maybe it shouldn't be this way. But you're saying things in a different way than you might if it were broadcast. I don't think that's fully understood. Um... I think that that's one of the temptations and difficulties that we have with these things is I'm just typing into my phone. And it's like, and then for the world to see. You know, you see that with athletes and famous people. It's like, wow, uh, you have 72 million followers on Twitter. And they all just read that, you know. But, no, I don't think it's fully understood. I think it should be a caution for all of us. Um, these things are not said in a vacuum out into outer space. They're said in the context of, and, and even GOL, much more than like Facebook, because this is a major part of our community life at the church, right? So it is like standing up in the sanctuary. But I, think, I think it needs to be explained. I, I think that's one of the things that I would like to say when I post is just to, to say, look, these, these are, you're saying these things in relationship. Um, and these things, it really did feel for most younger people like, well, <laughs> I, I guess we're the. To me, and I thought if you were in the hallway, you wouldn't speak to me that way. I agree. So why do you feel like it's okay? I think you're right, and I think that it is not fully comprehended. Uh, it's by uh, we need to all be aware of that, but I, I can't imagine that that's fully comprehended. Yeah, and I don't know about that. I mean, I can just say that he tends to not um, 
right or wrong, but I can't imagine him doing that. But I can at least make it known too that hey, this is kind of a different perspective. Like you're coming, I think it'll be good for them to hear you, but I think he's of their generation per se, and so it's indifferently. That's true. Yeah, and I I thought about it this morning in our prayer meeting that I wanted to make him aware because I do feel that it really does. ostracize a younger generation and uh, I wanted him to be aware like those things are they were they don't go away you think about them you stew over them you struggle with them you are tempted to write them off I mean that's why I said all these things (laughs) because I mean it's it's easy to be tempted to just say "Ah." and uh, but Like, oh my word, are you serious? You're going to say this to a whole group of people. And I honestly think they might have thought they were I don't, I don't think they would speak that way. Yeah, maybe so. so. Well, and there again, I think, with the themes of last week and this week, last week we're talking about, you know, um, respecting our elders and, and uh, following them. And this week we're talking about more whole church. But my encouragement would be to lean into those relationships. Blake? Yeah, I think from last Last week in the, uh, the wonderful statement uh, in the house, she said, and I agree. And then, and then your question about does this represent both sides? You know, well, it doesn't. I think the the main thing is I think we we, we get pulled in by like the media a lot. Mm-hmm. We don't, however you're saying it, push into people. There's been a few, um, whether it be at work or here, situations in the last few months where. Uh, I got real emotional and pissed off about certain things, and uh, so I went and had a conversation with somebody that could on the other side, right? And and I'll be honest with you, one of them was a black guy that I that I've that's a client of mine. I wasn't mad in that situation. I just I just went and asked him, hey, give me some perspective, right? And it was an amazing conversation. Uh, I got perspective. He got perspective. And, and, and my point is, like I think ninety ninety five percent of people. Are willing to have that conversation. It's the people that are screaming that you don't even want to have a conversation with, mm-hmm. but they're but they're screaming, and and that's what the media wants to sell, and so they're selling it. And so mm-hmm. I really think that if we have conversations, like a huge number of people is willing to have that conversation. So so I had that conversation at work, and then I had the conversation about some church things, some issues that I think we all get frustrated with. Mm-hmm. And I still, on that conversation, I'm not sure I 100 percent agree, mm-hmm. but I but I did. Here, the decisions were being made from the word, from scriptures, and I agree with how they are making decisions. And I think that I'm coming from the same place. So different, like we can't be on the same page all the time. And I think that there is generational issues, not issues, that's not the wrong word. There's different generations. We're coming from different places. Different things in our lives have forged our understanding of the world and understanding of people and our generation. So I think it's, to your point, understanding each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that most people will really have this conversation, but I was getting emotional off of what the TV was saying or what the result was of a certain, you know, decision. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how the how the decision was made. Uh-huh. So when I found out how the decision made, I respected the decision, disagreed with it in a, a little bit, but had a better respect for it, and so therefore I can move forward and mm-hmm. you know be a part of society mm-hmm. <laughs> and have an understanding of. 
uh, culture that I, that I did not grow up in, mm-hmm. or be a part of this church and, and be excited about where we're moving, yet, you know, still have those conversations and say, this is what I want. This is what, mm-hmm. and what I want is not bad. It's good and it's different. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. we got to keep moving forward. Sure. Understanding that there's some, you know, precautions on the other side. That's good. I guess you're talking about unity in here. I have not felt that from our generation, millennials, that we just dismiss the older generation. It's our parents. It's people mm-hmm. who have taught us all our mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly listen to them and filter it through and think about it. I have not had one thought of, you're just old and I don't agree with you mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And even the millennials, the two or three that wrote on GOL, it was very respectful. It was. Yeah. But it was not that way. I've never felt so like, y'all are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where is this hatred mm-hmm. towards me or us coming mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's appropriate to... Mm-hmm. And they, the people that wrote on... They, they've written political stuff for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be ramping up, and it's not even close to November yet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I just... It's going to get worse and worse. Yeah. And more articles are going to be shared, and more, and more people are going to say, oh, I would never have... I've never answered anything on GOL before until now. I mean, I feel like that's always going on, too. But, um, yeah. I, I, but it felt very strange. Like, I don't know why they hate us. Uh-huh. And I'm going, that's where I'm saying, I'm afraid if you write something this week, they will read it and go, Psh, he's a millennial. Yeah, well, and maybe, and you're, maybe. But, I mean, and I don't, I haven't ever, I haven't sensed, that everyone's writing off an older generation, I do sense the temptation after a sequence of events like this past week. So I think because there were a number of things said that were just offensive for younger people. You know, Is there a way, if you're talking with, I don't even know who Randy Beck is, but to say, I'm, I, we understand you're coming mm-hmm. from a completely different perspective mm-hmm. than us, but like, do you see how unloving this is coming across? Mm-hmm. As a Christian church, sure. Like, do you, are you understanding that, or do you not care, mm-hmm. um, or is just is that how Bill O'Reilly talks all the time? I don't know. I mean, maybe that may be, um, or Fox News or whatever. I feel like maybe that's where a lot of this harshness and dismissals coming from. It's just being influenced. But that's kind of what I'm starting to feel is like, yeah, you know, on an individual basis, if it's appropriate to be like, I think that is appropriate, and I think those those real like. I don't think that that would be... I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think that that was the intention. Uh, because I do... You know, like, let's... We're talking about Randy. I love Randy, and I love him more after the lunch that we had. He has millennial children that he's quite proud of. And they're upstanding citizens and Christian women. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think the intent was to write off anybody under a certain age. I, I do think it would be helpful to fill in perspective and say that's the way it felt that's the way it was received and so be aware of these differing perspectives um, anyway the problem is that there's good that comes out of this mm-hmm. that there are more lunchtime conversations and I'm grateful you did that mm-hmm. there needs to be a hundred of those every week mm-hmm. people getting together and talking to each other and understanding where where each other comes from because there's there's something else that unites us and that's our individual sin. We're all we're all wrestling with sin. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of those uh, older than us who were writing, 
gave us the, the 60s sexual revolution, which we are still under that burden as that continues to spiral out of control. So, uh, again, you know, I, I was born in 58, so I'm not responsible for the 60s <laughs> sexual revolution, um, thankfully. But, but I've got my own sin to deal with. Mm-hmm. And no generation can say we did it all right because that is not the case. Yeah, that's the, I mean, humility, lowering yourself, and anyway, it's good. Um, well, if we had time, we were going to switch gears and talk politics a little bit. Uh, we don't have time, but uh, huh? <laughs> no. I actually would like to do that at some point because I think there is value. You know, uh, this, what we can at least say is this uh, political season has captured the attention of our nation like no, I mean, Dr. Young would say like no other in his lifetime. Um, He's almost 70. So it's a unique time. Uh, There are inflamed passions and people are afraid which inflames them all the more. So I think we need to talk about this. Um, and we can do that uh, here soon. We will. But in the meantime, good talk, and let's go to church.